The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had ordered them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but they doubted. Then Jesus approached and said to them, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always, until the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Do you mind if I make this homily a commentary about culture and its effects on our faith? Don't worry, don't worry, I'm not going to get into the culture wars that are raging on all fronts today. That is, I'm not interested in talking about abortion or climate change or racism or white supremacy or not kneeling during the national anthem. Now, some of you may be disappointed, thinking, Father John, those hot topics would have made a really spicy sermon this morning. So I'm sorry. This will be a very boring sermon. So you can go back to sleep. (laughs) Instead, I would like to look at culture like Joseph Pieper did in his amazing little book called Leisure, The Basis of Culture. Pieper begins his book with this insightful statement. Listen. Culture depends for its very existence on leisure. And leisure, in turn, is not possible unless it has a durable and consequently living link with the cultus, with divine worship. Did you catch that? Pieper is insisting that there can be no culture without a cult. Indeed, if you look very closely, the word cult is even hidden inside the word culture, like its beating heart. And just like removing a heart kills a human person, so removing the cult or worship from a culture will kill the body politic. Why is that? Why is cult or worship such an integral part of political and social life? Well, that depends on how we understand the human being, the human person. Sometimes we define a human person as homo sapiens, which means a rational thinking animal. Others, like Aristotle, called human beings the laughing animal because we humans get the gist of jokes. But other animals do not get jokes. Although, I have to admit that every now and then, I can almost hear my dog Apollo snickering at me from the back of his crate. (laughs) But I think the best definition of a human is a worshiping animal. Why is that? 
Well, because we are created to worship something or someone, maybe ourselves. Even atheists who say that they do not believe in God worship someone or something. They just don't know their deity's name. That is, they worship an anonymous God, an unknown God. Now, how do you figure out what someone worships? Oh, that's very easy to do. Just look at where people make their greatest sacrifices. That is, where people spend most of their money. In medieval Christendom, the tallest, most elaborate, the most costly buildings were always the cathedral churches. That is where people spent most of their money, because inside those walls, we worshipped our God. What are the tallest and most elaborate and most costly buildings in our cities today? They are not the churches. In most American towns these days, it is usually the sports complex, (laughs) the football or the basketball or the soccer stadiums. There, we happily hold hands with perfect strangers. We hug people we've never seen before, and we sing until we are hoarse. Ole, 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 ole. Who says Catholics don't sing in church? And in those secular churches, a collection is also taken up. And we gladly give to the gods our sacrifices and our tithes. There is no culture without a cult. We just don't know the names of the gods we worship. We worship unknown gods, but we worship nonetheless. Let me repeat again Pieper's tight definition of culture and see if it makes a little more sense now. Culture depends for its very existence on leisure. And leisure, in turn, is not possible unless it has a durable and consequently living link with the cultus, the cult, with divine worship. In other words, there never has been and there never will be a culture that does not worship their gods. That is the very meaning of culture. That is, man is a worshiping animal. And we all worship something or someone because we willingly sacrifice to our gods. You know, all churches of worship take up a collection for their maintenance, like we will here in a few minutes. The only difference between people is that some of us know the name of the God we worship, while some of us do not know the name. We worship unknown gods. Now, some of you might be asking yourself, Father John, what on earth does this culture commentary have to do with the Feast of the Ascension? I'm so glad you asked. In our first reading today from Acts, St. Luke explains it was precisely 40 days after his resurrection that Jesus ascended into heaven. If you count 40 days after Easter, you do not land on this Sunday. Instead, you land on last Thursday. That is why this feast used to be called Ascension Thursday. Some of you may remember that. 
In other words, that time frame of 40 days was our living link with the Bible and with our Christian roots. But some dioceses, like Arkansas, have transferred the feast and its obligation to the following Sunday, today. And it is probably for a very good reason. That good reason is so that lots of Catholics would not miss Mass on a holy day of obligation if we had kept it on Thursday. And not missing Mass is a good thing. Please do not misunderstand my point. I am not suggesting that it is wrong to move Ascension Thursday and make it essentially Ascension Sunday. The bishops of a province are well within their rights to do that, and they are far wiser men than me. Nonetheless, we cannot help but be creatures who worship the gods. And if we did not go to Mass last Thursday to worship the living God, whom we know by name, where did we go last Thursday or any day? And I'm not talking about going to a Protestant church or a Hindu temple or a Jewish synagogue. There, they worship their God by name. And it is easy to tell in what church we worship because that is where we gladly offer our sacrifices, where we pay our tithes. Oh, by the way, you know, every month I get a summary statement from my credit card company (laughs) that itemizes all my expenses for the past month. Maybe some of you get this from your credit card company too. It shows where I spend most of my money. And do you know where I spend most of my money every month? It is on Apollo, a Greek god. (laughs) But hey, at least I know his name. Praise to be Jesus Christ.